Don't yeah. let me hear you say lies Taking you nowhere Angel Golden year Hey there, welcome to Motorcycles and Misfits, coming to you live from the Lee Cycle Garage in, I say sunny Santa Cruz, California, because it usually is. It's It it is. Hey, Emma, why don't you sing us in? Ooh, a song. I just got an open gym. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) so no jim has actually upped his game he's actually handed me a um fairly accurate representation of a william testicles in cartoon form but he's added googly eyes to it which it's it's a cute little willy jim thank you oh cheers well it's actually a game because if you look on the flip side there's googly eyes with nothing drawn. Oh, I see. So I wow. very one's bigger than the other, though. Oh. And we can keep rotating. I brought back googly eyes. Wow! And it's amazing. I think this beats the record. Thirty seconds in, and we're off the rails. Mm. I don't think we actually got on the rails. (laughs) I think you said the word Emma. Hey everyone, this is Liza joining me in the studio today. Running the board, it's a Stumpy John. Jingle bells, Batman smells, Robin laid an egg. Yeah, you see, we don't sing that in England. It's jingle bells, Batman smells, Robin flew away. Oh. And the Batmobile lost a wheel when it landed in the hay. I know, and the Joker got away. No, you. but we, it's a different version, Liza. It's a different version, and it's a different version. Wow. Yours is a little lamer, though. Oh, please. I mean, come on. Robin flew away, or Robin well, no, flew he flew away. I, I mean, like, he hasn't got the equipment for laying laying an egg, has he? And on the classic, he's got the bat on the classy go couch tonight. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and if you look closely, you might find some feathers on her. It's quack, Miss Emma. Quack, 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 quack. Um, hello, darlings. Yeah, so we had free entertainment. <laughs> At the recycle garage today. No. And joining us is Naked Jim. Hey, what's up? I'm curious. So we're sitting and it's lunchtime and Liza, God bless her. Oh, that reminds me. I owe you you a tenner for the the pasta. So we're all sitting eating pizza and pasta. And there's feathers raining down on us (laughs) from above. Snowing feathers. This is quite interesting. You know, has has an angel lost its wings and we looked up and there's a hawk or some bird of paradise tearing apart some poor little (laughs) so we were having lunch and the hawk was having its lunch as well and it was just shredding this thing in the tree all the the feathers were coming down i have never seen anything like it. yes yes they will pluck feathers and pluck and pluck and pluck yes brilliant oh that's cool was it out on the outside though it wasn't like in the in the shop. No, it wasn't in the shop. It was like in the in tree. Pear tree. It was in no. It was in that big tree. Yeah, that's wild. And the feathers were raining down on us. And wild it was kingdom entertainment. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess hawks need Christmas dinner too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it was so Dope. cool just watching this hawk. Oh, just I love that kind of shit. Ripping apart this bird. Yeah. Yeah, it's no, I, yeah. That is cool. Nature. And then Emma started singing the Circle of Life. It was really quite, quite magical. <laughs> 
Not a lot happened in the garage today. We had a few people come by. Um, Eric from last week came by, and he um, cleaned his chain. That's a good thing to do. Yeah, um, but he, we also just did some hanging out and maintenance. Oh, I got to separate washers today. That's one of, one of the downsides of letting people into you know use all the stuff in the garage, is that. Um, I pulled out my box of washers that are size four to size half inch, and they were all mixed up and had gravel in all the boxes. So mm. somebody dropped it and just threw, just scooped them off the ground and threw them in the box. Yeah. 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 Hey, and <clears throat> joining us, it's Bagel. Hey. Hey, Bagel. How hey, you bagel. doing? Howdy. Hey, bagel. You getting, getting snow uh, up It's there? a little chilly out here. Yeah, yeah, take yeah. a look. You guys getting snow? Oh, he's got snow. Look at that. Wow. It's coming down right now as Lord we speak. Mercy. That's beautiful. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Really cool. We've gotten probably four inches so far. Well, we've been having some rain, which is good, but um, there's lots of trees down, lots of roads collapsing, Ooh. and ruts. Um, uh, Eric, who was here today on his KTM, he showed us pictures. He went to to Hollister this week, and there was a rut that swallowed his KTM adventure. Yes. That was, a, that was quite a rut. <laughs> I know. There's some, some Oh, hello, Bagler. Nice sweater. Oh, it looks like Liza's almost. Hey, hello. I got a Christmas sweater, too. It's my, it's my dabbing, my dabbing <laughs> Santa sweatshirt. Oh, oh no. a li- little, yeah, a little, <laughs> little dab will do you. <laughs> Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are nuts. Um, hey, did everyone have a good Christmas? It's wonderful. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. I got, I got, good. I got some pretty, socks. Pretty oh, you got socks. From Jim Jim. Oh, the gift you know, that keeps you know, I love socks. In fact, uh, Eric today taught us about some very fine socks. Fine socks. I might have to get them. They're called... Per, uh, Possum. No, hold on. Perry? Perry. No, he said, was it Pearly? Pearly. Yeah, it was Pearly. Yeah, Pearly. Like Pearly, Pearly Gates. P-E-A-R-L-Y. Pearly Possum Moto Socks. Made purely out of possum. Apparently, they are a, uh, they use possum hair. It's like a cashmere made of possum hair. And they are <laughs> biker socks. They cost like $58 a pair. But they're the warmest socks you can get. For and possum socks. Po- from, possum. from Australia. That is. You ever seen a possum crawl out the ass end of a dead deer? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah. They sound great. <laughs> you know what? I may have to treat myself. Check it out. Pearly well, possum socks. I know you like And they're, they're designed yourself, for yeah. bikers. That's cool. Socks, uh, socks are important. I'm a big, I'm a big fan. So I get the what, picture of the possum crawling out. I mean, of I, I have questions. Cool, yes. though. I mean, do they shave the possums? How, I'm, how not does this work? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not so asking questions. So, if they do that, then at some job center in Australia, there is an opening for a possum shaver. <laughs> oh yes, and I mean that would be a career, oh, man. That would actually be a career that would require, cha- you know, some degree of training. I feel there might, you know, you might be able to go to university to study it. I'm an undergraduate in possum plucking. Yes, ah. advanced degree in Merkins. 
I, this is how, 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 do, how do the possums feel about all of this? I don't know. This well, is, Australian possums, I feel, are different to um, maybe American there's enough ones. roadkill. <laughs> Bagel, let me bring you up to speed. Uh, yeah. Jim has brought to the studio tonight some adhesive oh, uh, googly see. eyes and googly a notepad. Eyes. And so he's put googly eyes, and Emma and Jim are passing notes back and forth and drawing <laughs> characters onto the googly eyes. All right. <laughs> You like that? <laughs> I got your distraction right here. Why do I imagine they're only using one googly eye at a time? No, uh, no, yeah, no, right? I, a... I thought about that. <laughs> Anyways, you're going to have to edit all this out. Hey, it's Christmas, isn't it? Hey. Okay. Cool, blimey. Um, hey, another thing that reminded me of, you know, it being winter, it being cold... Uh, Eric, who was here, um, he just left on his KTM, mm. but he has, for warmth, he has hippo hands mm. on his motorcycle. Are you familiar with hippo hands, Jim? I, I am, yes. Do you know yeah. who invented them? Uh, Vetter, I believe. That's right. Yeah, ding, ding. And nice. so I was telling him the history of, you know, how Craig, this is just, just another thing that Craig Vetter invented. Yeah. And what's fascinating, um, Craig, if you go to his site, he has a whole page for hippo hands and he talks about the story of inventing them. <clears throat> and he's got all sorts of great <laughs> yeah, pictures. It was cold. <laughs> no, so he was out on a ride with a bunch of friends and here's how he invented them. His hands were freezing. He had a down uh, sleeping bag with him and he was trying to figure out how to wrap the sleeping bag around his hands. So he got duct tape and wrapped the sleeping bag around the handlebars, leaving these little entrance holes to the grips, and got the great idea to create hippo hands, which, Emma, can you describe hippo hands for people who don't know what they um, are? Hippo hands are, I suppose the best way to describe it, it's like a funny little rigid sleeping bag that turns <laughs> through 90 degrees. Mm-hmm. So it's like a boot. It's slip, like a, yeah. it's a, it is like a boot. A slip-in well, mitten. <clears throat> but it's, that you but it's, yeah, clamp on your handlebar and you stick your hand in the open end, and it's it it's warm, isn't it? Eh? In fact, in a pinch, I've seen people buy rubber boots, hmm. and you can <laughs> cut the toe off. Is that Popeye? No, you cut the toe <laughs> off and you slide it up over your controls. That's a and duct tape cool. it to your yeah, bars. I've seen people duct tape, take a milk carton, a gallon milk jug, and cut those up. And oh, do that's that a too. great idea. Yeah, in fact, I, like uh, I was looking at Z Traveler. Um, was her hands were cold on her Versus, and she went to like Target or something, and bought um, little garbage cans that have the corners, huh. you know, because it's like a little square garbage can. Yeah, and you can cut it and use those corners to fabricate big hand guards. Interesting. That you can oh. zip tie on. That's cool. So nice. it's kind of is fascinating that there's this whole like history of how do you keep your hands warm, and yeah, then right. all these tricks and and mm-hmm. hacks. Yeah, I'm curious what other people have discovered. I mean, we have our heated grips, and that usually just does the job. Right. But Emma, have you seen any other hacks for hand for keeping your hands warm? Oh yes. Milk jugs or rub- well, no, and boots? I mean it's milk jugs, bleach <clears throat> bottles. It's the same thing. I mean. I used to hang out with a bunch of um, dispatch riders in England um, back in the 90s. I mean, in the 80s. In the 1890s? Cavalry. Yes, exactly. Cavalry. The cavalry. 
But um, <laughs> no, you could do, make a really good living being a document um, dispatch rider. Um, not so much in Birmingham. A lot of these guys worked in London. And they came up with the craziest friggin' hacks to keep their hands warm because it was, you know, 12-month-a-year job and it gets rather cold. And the usual one is just get a bleach bottle and they're mm. nice and big mm-hmm. and you kind of cut it top to bottom. So now you've got the two halves. Like a clamshell. Yeah, like a clamshell. And then you just stick a load of fleece in the thing and just clamp oh, it around your handlebar. Look at that. Or newspaper. Yeah. A lot of it's just directing that air away mm. from your hands. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. It looks absolutely ridiculous. A trick I used to do when I used to ride in Boston is I had a windbreaker that I wore over my jacket, like a big oversized windbreaker, and the sleeves were long enough I could pull them down over and around my hands yes. on the grips. Nice. Perfect. Yeah. Just keeping it sort of out of the wind. A world of difference. Bagel, what are you riding up there in the old chilly, wet Pacific Northwest? <laughs> what are you doing for uh, I, I ain't riding anything right now. Oh, yeah. we, we, we've lost you, Bagel. No, no, he's there. I'm you? here. Oh, there you are. Yeah. You're back. <clears throat> Hello. Yes, Hello. Yes. Yeah, it's it's all the roads are all slushy and snow covered right now. I, I'm not going out and riding anything. Do you have a Do you have a wet weather glove you like? Well, I do have uh, wet weather gloves. They're um, sort of a thicker insulated glove, and they have a built-in rain cover that has a there's a little zippered pouch on the back, like the, the oh yeah, I've seen those, and there's like a mitten that goes over the top. Yep, exactly. It's got the sort of the the Spock fingers, you know, with two yes, two slot for two fingers in each, and uh, it works pretty well. And uh, and I've I've also used that in the cold as well to cut the uh, cut the air, yeah. and it it does a great job. Because uh, this is as good a point of reminding people, just in case they don't know, you're just starting out buying gear for your hands. I mean, leather is definitely don't do that, Jim. It makes you look cheap. Um, <laughs> leather <laughs> offers the best protection. Um, <laughs> but it, you really have to get very creative to get leather to be waterproof. So the ideal is leather for protection and then something waterproof that goes over the top. Yeah, I had something yeah. that I forgot about. I heard it from someone on the podcast, but I think it's Touratech makes them. And I, I used them a couple of winters ago when I was riding a lot in the rain, and they're basically waterproof mittens. But I think they're from Touratech. They're pretty cheap and just put them over your regular gloves, and they were great, but very simple. They were well, simple. You know what used to be more common, I think, and I'm sure you've seen it, how they have the little um, rain mitten in the, and there's a zipper cuff. Yes. Yeah. And there's a that's little, what I was talking about. Yeah. That's yeah. The pouch. Yeah. yeah. You pull it up yeah. over. I remember, God, it's been years since I've had something like that. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think that <clears throat> hippo hands is very similar to a headlight modulator. In that, it is a great item and it does a good job but it's so goofy looking most people don't want to use it i don't know if you're yeah, somewhere where it's that cold that. i think right? you're down yeah, that well, matter no, that you, you, just hang on because i think in a lot of ways we're seeing mm-hmm. this thing out of context if you look you like that jim Oh, geez, I just saw. So now i got a googly-eyed octopus, but he has nine arms. <laughs> okay. Oh, sorry. Um, you, no, but it's... You two are the as worst. The, as the inventor of the hippo hands, you know, he made them so you could build them in with the windjammer fairing. Mm-hmm. And 
it looked a little less goofy when it's bolted in that giant fairing, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, when I see yeah. them, people using them, they're usually like in these crazy cold places. Yeah. And you're like, good Lord. Right. You know, where you're like. That, yeah. Or yeah. just like people yeah. you know, riding bikes in the snow, you know, down Alaska or wherever. And you're like. Yeah, but they're. Yeah, but that's uh, that kind of stuff is really popular in uh, in Europe too, because uh, especially on scooters, you know, they they ride them year around a lot of places, and you know, that's a great way to stay warm. Yeah, it. But that's why I say, like with um, hippo hands, like I said, the headlight modulator. I'm I'm gonna have to keep thinking. There, there are things, there are inventions, there are uh, accessories, um, uh, there are components to motorcycles that aren't commonly in use. Sometimes it's because they're just goofy looking or maybe they're too expensive, but they're good. Good thing that does does a good job. Well, but, um, you know, it ties into the next subject I wanted to bring in because, uh, you know, a conversation I was having with Emma, um, years ago, um, I saw some video, I, I think it was some video and they were talking about, the best suspension oh, yeah. front end you can put on a motorcycle. And at the time, I th- I don't remember if it was Bomoda or was it the Gurney? Did the Gurney have this front yes, end? Yes, I think I so. I think it was the Gurney. I think it was Dan Gurney talking about it doesn't make sense. All these front ends that we use, they're made to take the impact right. and then it sends it right up into the chassis. So you have to come up with a very good suspension right. to combat that right yes but if you have what's called a a, a hub a hub center well you what's know it called it, again yeah i mean the hub center is a type of it yes but a hub center you, steering with if a, you have is that a, what was on the gurney bike yeah if you have a a front end suspension that comes out from the bottom of the frame and comes out forward now it is absorbing the shock without transferring any of it to the chassis right 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 it's like just think like a you know a, a fork that's if, pivoting if, on its if own. If you want to see an example of this, the the easiest one is the Bimota yeah. Tessie. Yeah. So um, you can also yeah Bimota Hub Center. There's a, a, a broken down diagram to show. So as opposed to a broken down misfit like no, me. it's like a, yeah. <laughs> and so I always remember like, well, wait a minute. Right, it's like if, a rear shock. If that yes, yes. It's, it's like a it's swing like, arm. It's, yeah. Like, yeah, a it's like a swing arm, arm on the front. Okay. Well, and you, like if if that is the best kind of front end you can have, then why aren't ooh, more people using it? There's a lot of reasons for that. There so, are reasons. <laughs> so I asked Emma, let's talk about front ends because. Even on most of our bikes where we have, you know, regular forks, you know, where you have the larger tube down at the bottom and the smaller tube at the top, and then they have inverted forks. Why? That's a very good reason You for know? That. And what about Springer and Girder? And uh, what do we, what are the BMW, what's that the called? Paralever? Nope. Telelever. 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 It, no. So <clears throat> it just made me think, well, wait a minute. There's a lot of different front ends. Let's talk about... Uh, why bagel are vespas are they telelever no they're uh leading link leading single-sided link. single-sided or i'm sorry a trailing link a trailing link trailing. Yeah. okay yeah yeah My so bad. all of those matter i wanted to get into a little bit um because we were talking about uh there's we're, we're saying three main functions of the front end yes okay the first to absorb shock be a shock absorber impact right 
Yes. The second is for steering. Yes. And then the third is braking. Yes. One, the, two, three. The most many choppers don't <clears throat> only have two. Um, and then you do have you have front ends like on my um, my Springer front end. It yes. was offset. And even though it was great as shock absorbing, it was yes. horrible for steering. Yes. <laughs> right. Right. So, Emma, let's talk about, are, are there any types of front-end systems that I didn't mention yet? Well, I mean, we could talk about this all night because people have come up with some really wild and wacky ideas over the years. So mm-hmm. let's talk about the most common ones. And the most common front-end in use right now is telescopic, and there's a lot of advantages with a telescopic front-end. There's a huge amount of disadvantages. But that's the one we're kind of stuck with, so I'll leave that one to last. Um, what we what we really have is the development of the motorcycle from the bicycle. The earliest motorcycles were designed from bicycles because it's quite obvious that bicycles predate motorcycles by how many hundred years? And there's a lot of characteristics that are the same. So if we look at bicycle design, we look at the front end of a bicycle, the pivot point is high on the frame, and then the forks extend down, support the wheel, and then the handlebars are attached to it. And that's basically what we were stuck with. Now, the English manufacturers tended to favor what was called a girder fork. And a girder fork was a pair of yokes that were either side of the steering bearing at the top of the frame. And then there were two links on either side which supported this parallelogram-shaped structure which went all the way from the top to the wheel axle. And the whole thing moved up and down. It was immensely rigid. It was very, very strong. It was very stable. The disadvantage was it was heavy And it was all unsprung weight. And we need to talk a little bit about unsprung weight and what it is and why it's a disadvantage. Unsprung weight is basically the mass of the object that goes up and down with the bumps on the road. So if you hit a bump, what's going up and down? So let's consider a modern bike. What's going up and down is the tire and wheel itself, the discs, the calipers, and the lower part of the fork, whether they're upside-down forks or regular forks, and probably the fender as well. If that is very, very heavy and you're moving a great mass up and down, you really need to beef up the suspension a great deal to compensate for it. And it has very, very detrimental effects on the handling because you have this great mass going up and down and you've got to compensate for that. Um, Front ends needed to be huge. And so what we did was we got away from heavy steel wheels with spokes and now aluminum wheels. You've got thin rotors, got lightweight calipers, lightweight forks, and it's really, really helped the situation. The biggest issue with girder forks was they were very, very heavy. Unsprung weight, they were great for sidecar rigs, 
But for solo rigs, not so good. Americans tended to favor the Springer front end. Mm-hmm. And the Springer front end was similar to the girder, but instead of having a whole structure <coughs> that moved up and down, you have one set of, for want of a better term, rods in front of the other. Which kind of makes sense. You have the front the front forks that are taking the impact, but right. the rear forks aren't moving. Uh, they aren't moving. Yeah. Um, it's got... Springer front ends are quite interesting. Once again, they are quite heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, the unsprung weight, again, is not as great as the, the girder front end. Um, but it's, there's still quite a bit of mass there to move up and down. But it does have some anti-dive characteristics, depending on how you mount the front brake. The big problem we have with all front ends on bikes, we expect a great deal of them. Mm-hmm. And each function can have a drastic effect on the others. Braking can have a drastic effect on how the front end moves. If you've got a front end that dives very, very heavily under braking, now your suspension is compromised because you've got the brakes on. Conversely, if you've got a front end that's very, very stiff to compensate for braking, the steering of the bike may be really heavy or really light, depending on how it's set up. Um, do you want me to go through rake and trail and what that kind of means? I mean, briefly, briefly. So rake and trail, they're kind of two sides of the same coin, but there are ways around it. So rake is the amount the forks are kicked out on the bike. Right. So if the forks are going straight, down well that wouldn't fly because if that would have zero rake and the bike would be so unstable mm-hmm. it would basically fall over itself yeah so you need the forks going out at an angle now incidentally um um cars do the same thing the front suspension on cars are always kind of angled back like forks mm. um except on a car it's called caster mm. but it's the same thing it's Basically, the pivot point is back at an angle. So as a general rule of thumb, and remember, this is just a very, very general rule of thumb. The more kicked out Mm -hmm. the forks are on a bike, the more stable it is in a straight line. So if you had a freeway cruiser, big, heavy freeway cruiser, it would behoove you to have the front end sticking out quite a long way, very long wheelbase bike, very stable in a straight line, but very lazy around the corners. That might not be an issue. My custom chopper had six inch over Springer front end with an added 5% rake. There you go. Yeah. So probably very stable on the freeway. Great place to be, but lousy around the corners. Oh, because it was offset. Because right. the front wheels attached to the front so, forks, the chassis is attached to the rear forks, and they're offset just right. by inches. But that was enough that I remember the first time I got on it and rode it, you make a right turn and the bike kicks out to the left. You make a left turn, the bike kicks out to the right because it's creating a pivot. Does that make sense? What? Yeah, it's very strange. Yeah. So the yeah. rake is the amount the forks are kicked out on the bike, and that's expressed in degrees. The trail is kind of the same side of, of the, the coin. And the best way to describe the trail is the forks are kicked out at an angle. If you were to extend the line of the forks straight down to a point in the road and draw a chalk line, then 
if you were to take the point where the axle is, go vertically down and draw a line, you'd see there's a distance there. And that's the trail. It's the imaginary line versus where the actual axle is. A very, very loose analogy is when you push a shopping cart and it's got the caster wheels on it, they always kind of turn backwards. That's kind of a trail, rake and trail. And so the longer, the, the further forward your forks are kicked out, the greater the trail will be. And the greater the trail is, the lazier the handling of the bike gets. Now, so we've got the forks, the front end of the bike, doing three things. Braking, steering, suspension. I was going to say, and also on a Springer, it doesn't really uh, have a damper built into it. Well, no, you can build a damper into right. it at the top. But, but it's, it having, is a bit Having springy. this additional weight at the top, yeah. right on the crown of the steering, is not ideal. Yeah. Um, also, girders had damping built in, but they weren't damping like you think. It was damping in terms of a disc, and where the forks pivoted around their arms, there'd be a large disc that was made out of brake pad material, yeah. just a circular disc, and there'd be a metal plate on either side with a wheel that you spin down on it, and that would damp the forks. Very rudimentary, All right. but effective. So let's get to... Telescoping, which is the most common, and upside down. Why upside down? Okay, upside down is very, very simple. If we consider a, a um, conventional fork, the diameter of the parts that carry the brake caliper, the wheel axle, the fender mounts, a larger diameter because they're sliding over the tubes, which we call the stanchions mm -hmm. in England. The stanchions are the parts that actually bolt to the frame via the triple trees, which we call the oaks in England or the bridge. If you flip it upside down, the larger diameter part, the stronger part, is actually yeah. in the clamps, in the yokes, triple trees, bridges, whatever you want to call them. It's a far more rigid affair. Also, especially with the newer lighter weight steel, the unsprung weight can be less because now the axle and the caliper mounts are on the stanchions. And yes, you'd say, well, they're made out of steel. Mm -hmm. How can they be lighter than the aluminum? Well, you'd be surprised. They, they, sometimes they can get very, very light. So you have a number of advantages. You have a far more rigid setup. You can have these giant triple trees that don't allow any flex. You can have less unsprung weight and... Altogether, it's a far more rigid setup. So you're going to say to me, why don't all bikes have it? Yeah. Well, why don't all bikes have it? <laughs> there is a problem with real estate. Because if you've got all this mass up top, you tend to find that bikes with upside down forks, especially ones with a full fairing, haven't got a massive range of movement in the steering. Hmm. And if that's the case, you might not get the turning characteristics you want. Because whether you like it or not, you're going to need to have to turn the handlebars. Um, manufacturing costs come into it as well. It's Upside-down forks have their place. 
just as conventional forks have their place. Um, they can, surprisingly enough, be a little more fragile. They can be a little more bl- uh, prone to blown forks upside down um, just because of the way they, they carry their oil. So advantages, disadvantages. I do notice in, in a lot of the builds that you do, I'm thinking of Tubbo and the Gucci and and others, you always seem to switch out the front end. You always go to switch out the forks. Well, I do because generally we've talked many, many times about where manufacturers are going to cut costs and they will always cut costs on suspension. So the cheapest component of most bikes that you buy is going to be the suspension because there's nowhere else really to cut costs. So it's an easy upgrade. In the case of Turbo, I went for um, a far bigger than original. Because remember, Turbo's a 1976 bike. So the original front forks on that bike were about the size of your pinky finger. Mm-hmm. And you do like a tougher stance. And so I, I, I like a big, burly front end. Yeah. You know, I like the very, very forward yeah, design bikes. Yeah, you do. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but do you typically, like, you get, like, Japanese sport bikes, don't you? Now we, yeah. For front ends, yeah. Yeah, but... Yeah. None of my bikes have upside-down forks on them. Hmm. Well, and part of the problem there um, is that the part you need to keep cleanest is now closest to the road. Right. Right? Because you need that to stay clean where because the seals are going up and down over it, and that's why a and lot they, of our dirt bikes have the big shields on right. them. Right. Very see, like, susceptible flat to damage. Like that. And, you know, in terms of manufacturing, now you've got a chrome tube... And you've got to figure out some way you're going to attach wheel axle, um, calipers, fender mounts on the bottom of this tube. And usually it's a two-piece affair. You have a steel tube with a cast or a forged aluminum piece that is a somehow attached on the end. And that serves as a, a, a mount for all your gubbins that's going to go on um i like upside down front ends i i you know i just i seem to gravitate away from them on my bills though turbo's got a front what is a front end from turbo concourse i believe yeah um yeah put in front end from from a concourse on turbo and the goozy had a front end i believe yeah it was from a ducati monster a monster so emma i i, I was looking at the the old elf GP bikes that was was that a girder front end or what was that no that's 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 a French hub center steering bike okay. that was the worst handling GP bike ever made ah. girder think of very old Harley Davidsons okay yeah yeah, yeah um like, uh, no. yeah. so well let's talk about I mean it's as good a place as any to talk about what a hub center um is this a girder that's no, a Springer Springer We will see if we can dig out some pictures of Gerda front ends and put them on our website. How about that? They became fashionable again. In, in, they became fashionable in custom choppers. Well, you know, certainly the British scene in the 1980s, um, there was a huge um, uh, sort of sway of doing very traditional English-style choppers, which usually involved having a BSA or a Triumph engine. And girder forks. But I tell you what, some of these things were heavy as heck. Okay, tell a lever. 
So BMW comes along and they invent what they think is superior yes. front end. Explain tell leave because if you've ever ever looked at it, it's not attached. You have like your handlebars and triple treats up top, and then you have these tubes and you know, you know forks down below, and then you look up in the middle, they're not attached. Hmm. Well, so a telelever, the way a telelever works is everything is suspended from a giant swing arm that comes off the front of the frame. Mm-hmm. And the the swing arm carries its own shock absorber and its own spring. So that's doing the hard work. And then there's a bridge that comes down that carries really small diameter fork legs that support... Um, the wheel, the caliper, um, and then they extend up, and there's a bridge on it that you can bolt your handlebars to. It's an amazing setup. So this isn't a single, like a single rear shock. This is still two. No, it's got one shock. Yeah, just okay. So just one single shock. shock. Okay, yeah, yeah telelever has got yeah, single yeah. shock. So and the fork legs themselves, they're very very small diameter. Mm-hmm. They do carry oil, but it's mostly for lubrication. Most of the damping's covered in the shock on that big central arm. It is the easiest bike in the world to chain the fork seals on hmm. because you literally, you undo the top nut and push the fork legs down and turn the handlebars, and you can just pull the fork legs out, pull the fork seals out, put new ones in, put fork legs in. You can do the fork seals in a in a telelever probably in about half an hour for uh, both of them. And I was thinking of the duo lever. That's what was in, like, my RT. Now, yeah, the duo lever. That's what I was talking about. It's not that's connected. Li- yeah, that's a little duo more lever. complicated. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where you have the, like, cast forks coming down, and then you have your triples up top, but they're not attached in the middle. Yeah. The, they're two crazy. different components. The yeah. duo lever was really a prototype front end that somehow made it into production. Mm-hmm. Um, the telelever is a lot simpler. It's a lot easier yeah. to maintain. It's... Um, it's a it's a lot more cost effective to build, and it's kind of it, it's BMW's go to front suspension mm. for now. And then we've talked about before the Britain, right? Yeah, the Britain. Yeah. Um, what kind is it? Have? That had a form a f- of girder. It's not that's not telelever. Well, it, it's a it's like a weird L shape. Yes, it it thing. it's a Britain. Yeah, it's a Britain. I mean, and this is why I said at the beginning, you know, there's a thousand manufacturers who've done their own thing. The Britain, I think, had an equal length wishbones on it, if I remember right. It was it was a very much a one off. Um, there's a yeah, so there's a naked Britain on display right now. Oh, let me see that. There, hand that over. It I looks thi- like a dual lever. Yeah, I have no idea how to explain it. Yeah, I think it's a dual lever. Uh, let's have a look, see what they've got going on. Yeah, it's, it's got a little in common with the, uh, with the, um, BMW setup. It's, it's kind of a one-off. It's got elements of a girder system on it. It's pivots about the, there's a pivot at the back and there's a pivot at the top. So basically what you can't actually see, there are wishbones on it. Mm-hmm. And there's a wishbone right above the exhaust system. There's a wishbone at the top of the crown. And then the L-shape pivots up and above them. Yeah. The advantage of this, this is in effect a girder front end. Mm-hmm. But what makes it different from the girders of my youth when 
Everything was powered by steam. And they actually made by it with girders. Yeah. Well, yeah, and there, there it is. <laughs> Rivets. This is carbon fiber, and it probably yeah. weighs nothing. Yeah. Unsprung weight, remember? You know? So, um, God, that's exotic. But let's talk about Hub Center. Yeah, let's, get to, let's talk about Hub Center. So, what you've basically got, a Hub Center is a swing arm that comes off the front of the frame. It could be a single one, it could be a twin one, but it's a swing arm that comes off the front of the frame. On the end of that swing arm, there is a knuckle, and the knuckle supports the front wheel, the calipers, the rotors, usually a single. Mm -hmm. And then there are arms coming off with linkages that you can use to actually steer the bike. Mm -hmm. Now, the advantage of a hub center is... It separates the elements. It separates braking from suspension work, from damping. And it separates steering from both of them. So each element, whether you're steering, whether you're braking, or whether you're traversing a bumpy road, can be considered on its own merits rather than one affecting the other. And that's one of the great advantages of it. You can brake as hard as you want with a hub center and it won't dive. And you can be braking hard and the steering is completely unaffected by the braking. Looks like it's really hard to keep straight. Though. There's a lot of pivot points, a lot of things adjust. Well, it? and that's one of the great disadvantages of it. I mean, any time... Um, and that's the Bimota one, and mm. like anything that Bimota makes, it's overly complex. Um, the the better one to look at is the one on the Yamaha GTS, which is a lot more simplified. However, um, the big disadvantage is it's a complex piece of machinery. Right. And when you have so many pivot points, it doesn't take long. There's a couple of thou play in this one and a couple of plow thou thou play in that one and it gets really baggy well let's go very, back very to quickly. the three major functions that a front end needs to do steering so the first being absorbing shock right so, so this one check yes it re does really good the third being braking this one does it great because you're right. not going to be diving as much because the you can right? you can brake as hard as you want and in addition with an effective abs braking yeah. set up on it you you could outbreak anything on the road yeah so you're taking away a lot of the dive factor because the way it's set up so that's superior but steering which is we can agree probably the most important function of a front steering end. is perfect it's when where they it are gets complicated well and it's complex to get that feel and you mm -hmm. have to have a lot of very very accurate heim joints and a very very clever amount of math technology to get them to steer well and maintaining that aligning everything is absolutely crucial on them well and because you need to go through so the axle is yes. the axis yes of the wheel so that's why on my springer that was offset right it wasn't steering on the axis it was steering off axis which made affected the whole bike when you turn so on a hub center how are they reaching the axis when you're not accessing it from straight 
Uh, I mean, you're not coming from both sides going to the axis, right? No, you. So the axis is now the base of the knuckle, which is not exactly lined up with the axle. Is no, it's canted so that they compensate for it. Okay. The, yeah. So the axis on a, on a true hub center, what you have is you have the swing arm coming forward, and then at the end of the arm it turns in, oh, and I then see. is supported there, turned in, and so when you bolt the wheel on it becomes far more centralized. And so now what you have to do is because you have this single-sided. Yes. You need to have clearance for the top wheel to yes. tr- pivot. So now it has to be rounded, arched, right, to right. allow for that. Yes. So now... But that can be an advantage because yeah. now you're adding strength. Okay. Yeah, strength, but but you, it's you're making it longer so there's more potential for flex. Right. Yes. So it becomes more complicated. Yes. Yeah. It's very, very complex. And that's really its downfall. It's very, very complex to make. It's very, very complex to maintain. If somebody brought in a bike to me, if somebody brought in either a Tessie or a GTS 1000 to Motortown instead of crashed it and have knocked the front end alignment, I would instantly have a nervous breakdown. <laughs> and I'd probably go home. So not that many bikes use it. So here's something interesting. As it's just how, doing- old, how old do you think that setup is? Oh, 80s. I mean, it's engineering, so I don't know, 70s, 80s. Oh, wait, no, metallurgy has a lot to do with it, as we've learned. Metallurgy is first, often the advanced First bike to have a hub center steering. Uh, well, the, the Bomoda is the first one I ever s- saw it on, but if Gurney, I don't remember if it was Gurney talking about it, so I'll say late 80s. 1920. Wow, what? really? Yeah. Wow. 1920, what? and it was rudimentary, but there was this device called the Nera car in 1920. Ah, yes. oh, yeah. yeah, Bagel knows what a Nera car yeah. is. And that a had a rudimentary oh, yeah. form of hub center steering. We need to go back there, Jim. Yeah. That was a good time. Um, so here's something interesting, because you know, we say, so if it is superior in braking and in, in handling, and, and you have to overcome engineering for the steering, for the weight, for the value and all that. Um, do you think it's going to become more popular in use? I think it might. I think we're moving into an area where technology is going to become, I think, perhaps more important than it is now. And let, let me quantify that because that sounds kind of an odd statement. As we move away from internal combustion bikes and go into electric bikes, there's there's no real difference in performance between all of them. They're all going to be fast as hell and they're all going to be governed down to a top speed of probably 100 miles an hour or less. So what's going to distinguish the manufacturers and, you know, what's going to get people's juices flowing down at the coffee bar is what is the technology that's built into your bike? And whether that's electrical technology or chassis technology, it doesn't matter. That's what's going to make the manufacturer stand out. Do you know who owns 49.9% of Bomoto motorcycles? Nope. Kawasaki Heavy Industries. Well, <coughs> wow. And did you know that last year Kawasaki filed a patent for their own? Their own um, hub center steering system. 
Hmm. Yes. Uh, they show some some plans for a very simple hub center steering system. And this is why I think, I mean, you're going to have Kawasaki, Honda, Suzuki, Yamaha, all with electric propulsion. And all the flagship bikes are going to perform about the same. So how are we going to distinguish them? How are we going to say, aside from the fact that, yes, that one's, you know, obviously Suzuki, that one's obviously Yamaha. So we're going to see a lot more interesting technology in chassis, in electrical, in just things that are really going to distinguish them. Well, I hadn't thought about it, but, you know, the, the few times we've seen the electric bikes in the dirt perform, and I assume it translates to street as well, it's all about traction. Right, and the big part of traction is going to be suspension. I hadn't really thought about it, but you would imagine maybe that's where you know the new bling comes from. Is how do you keep the wheel connected to the ground with those quick electric motors? Right. Yeah. You know, when the BMW, the thousands first came out, I mean, everyone was like, you know, this thing is just amazing because the technology was based on not only has it got two hundred horsepower, but it was all this amazing technology to be able to use it. And so I definitely think that's the direction these things are going to go in. Now, the current model GP bikes, they're mostly conventional forks, right, or upside-down forks. Is that, mm-hmm. is that correct, or, or is anybody running? Telescoping? Yeah. Yeah, telescopic. Yeah. Well, there are a great many advantages. I mean, I don't want anyone to think that we're getting short shrift. Telescopic forks are very, very simple in design. They're very strong. They're very, very easy to tune. And they're very easy to tune trackside. Mm-hmm. And that's an important thing mm-hmm. because if you're out on a race day and you want to stiffen up your suspension, oftentimes, you know, a few flicks of the wrist with a wrench and a screwdriver work and you've stiffened up the front end. Mm-hmm. It's that quick. It's yeah. very, very easy to tune um, a telescopic front end. And and you're going to be at a dis- disadvantage if you have a bike that takes hours to set up the front end. As, right. As, you know, exactly. And, and in a longer race, if you get anywhere on those components at all and it starts steering peculiarly, you know, that super high-tech front end can actually become a disadvantage. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the, that elf that you were talking about, John, I mean, that thing was an absolute terror. Um, Mm. when it was good it was good but more often than not it was throwing its riders off with all kinds of abandon I have a a question you know looking at the new bikes coming out because I might be in the I might be in the market for a street bike in the next year (laughs) imagine that (laughs) well the technology right EBS I would not mind having EBS Um, but what about the new electronic electronic adjustable suspensions you know the ones with the wire going into the top is that uh, money well spent or does it pin yeah i mean you you know it's quite established technology it's all magnetic so basically the way it works is you have an electromagnet in the in the damping itself and when you flick the switch the magnet moves restricts the amount of movement the oil can have within the fork and either stiffens it up or lightens it it's it's very established technology yeah i think that's money well spent yeah we didn't even get into like honda's anti-dive system i mean you could really deep dive oh no and i mean it's it's all since the beginning of time manufacturers have tried to separate the big three Mm -hmm. braking steering suspension work right and make each one function completely independently of the other ones. The only suspension setup that truly does that 
is the hub center. You know, in the 80s, Honda really dove deep into anti-dive, and they came up with all yeah. these incredible creations, some of which worked, some of which didn't. Um, and all the manufacturers had anti-dive. I think one of the best, actually, I want to say, was Kawasaki on the GPZs. Mm-hmm. Of course, I call them GPZs, um, <laughs> which made them betterer. <laughs> but um, mostly they've worked on hydraulic pressure, and when you squeeze the brake, the pressure pushed out the pistons in the calipers and gripped the rotors, yeah. and you stopped. But also that same pressure jump forward into a valve sitting on front of the forks and it'd do the same thing it would close up the free movement of oil and the forks in it would in effect lock so uh so i yeah i just wanted to bring up hub center steering it's something i've known about for decades it's brilliant um but but i always wondered why we didn't see it more often. Yeah, there's, there's. Tell me why. The, there's high technology Tell there, me why. but now I want to get to some low technology. Um, because it's time for a new segment we're trying out. Ooh, uh. This is called Debate Club. Oh All right, Jim and Bagel have no idea Where's what's my about ruler? to happen. We need a theme song. <laughs> I know. You know what? I thought it'd be fun to do a good debate. And so I've got uh, the subject tonight is the Kawasaki KLR versus the Suzuki DR650. They're very similar bikes, but there's pros and cons to each. Yes. Um, so I thought it'd be fun to get in a good old debate. John, which bike will you be taking tonight? I will be taking the KLR 650. Okay. And Emma, what bike will you be taking tonight? DR650. Okay. So here's how it's going to work. Bagel and Jim, uh, Bagel has now stepped away. Um, <laughs> your jobs are going to be to be judges. I will just be moderating. Hang on. Bagel's got beer. I'm, I'm, I'm here. I just need to get another beer. <laughs> get did, you, did you I'm bring enough for I'm going to need a beer for one. this. <laughs> so your jobs will be to judge. I'm going to moderate. Uh, the way it's going to work. Each uh, of you are going to have three minutes for your opening statement to say why you think this is your David bike Goliath, I'm is, just saying. is best, okay? Uh, please do not interrupt the other. Then you will have, um, you will have uh, what I say, like 60 seconds to respond uh, with, you know, what's, what's the word? Comebacks. Um, um, Rebuttal. Rebuttal for your rebuttal. We'll go back and forth a few times. And then I will give Jim and Bagel some opportunities to ask some questions. And then Jim and Bagel will decide who is the winner of the debate. Does that sound good? Everyone understand? I should get some sort of a handicap on this because I have to go against Emma. Oh, John. (laughs) Uh, How about this? Emma, would you be willing to go first? Yeah, I'd be happy to go first. Okay. You don't have to use the whole three minutes. I'm going to give you three minutes. Are you ready to go? Yes. And begin. Okay. Um, So what we're dealing with here is we're dealing with two very similar bikes. And I think the important thing that I want to stress is the KLR650 is not a bad bike in any way, shape, or form. I mean, it's inferior to the DR650 in every way. But it's not a bad bike. These are very, very similar bikes. My job is just going to be pointing out the differences that I think make the DR650 
a better bike. It's a simpler bike. The KLR is water-cooled for a start. Um, the carburation is vague to say the least. It produces less horsepower. It produces less torque. It's 50 pounds heavier. It's actually, it's an older design. It's a way older design. And I hear everyone say, well, just, just hang on a minute. The DR's been going since the 80s, and it has, but it did have a major revamp about 25 years ago. So these are both very old designs. The KLR still very much rides like an 80s bike. The DR rides like a far more modern bike. Um, one of the big advantages of the, of the DR... It has two suspension settings, majorly sus different suspension settings, built in from the factory. If you take out the rear shock and reverse the lowering links, you can drop the back two inches without spending a penny. On the KLR, you have to spend money to do that. It pulls its power in a different way. From the lights, the KLR has the edge-on power However, the DR produces more power in the mid-range and continues to build power when the KLR goes flat. It's a far livelier bike to ride. And in conclusion, it's a better-looking bike. And there's no question of that. This is absolutely not up for debate. The DR650 always has been and always will be an extremely handsome bike no matter what colour they come in. You look at it, it's a good-looking bike. And God knows, as much as I like KLR 650s, you can never describe them as being good-looking. Utilitarian, but not good-looking. Okay. You are under three minutes. Thank you. Okay. I have to say, it was very hard for me not to respond. <laughs> that was hard. All right, John, you will have three minutes. Are you ready? Yes. Begin. Okay, so first thing I'll say is uh, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. I think the KLR is a beautiful motorcycle, as it is. It's agricultural, yes, but it still is beautiful in its own way. Um, you know, the water cooling, I'll say, is, is a plus and a minus. I guess it depends on how you feel. Um, I think it gives you a little more uh, protection in higher temperatures, uh, although you do get a little bit of weight, uh, extra weight, but I think, you know, Ultimately, water you know water cooling is is clearly better. Um, I would argue that the KLR is a better all around motorcycle. Uh, I will give the DR a little bit of credit for dirt being a little more agile in the dirt, but I think the KLR is better getting to the dirt, especially if you're going long distances, um, including as a much better fairing setup, and uh, and is just it's yeah so it, it's got better wind protection. So it has a larger gas tank stock, so you don't need to spend money. So you may need to spend a little money on the suspension, but you'll actually you don't need to spend money on the larger gas tank. I think it has a couple gallons more. Uh, than the um, than the DR and most people are swapping those out for um, other gas tanks. So uh, from the factory, the KLR comes with a plastic skid plate, which isn't the greatest in the world, but it's better than no skid plate, which is on the DR. Uh, it has a factory rack. Uh, again, it's only limited to eleven pounds, but then again, the DR has no rack um, and a windshield, and it has a tachometer, which the DR does not have. So the DR has almost no instruments other than a speedometer. Um, the online support for the KLR is vast. 
extremely greater than the DR. I mean, you can pretty much get any kind of support in the forums uh, that you need for a KLR650. Uh, both bikes have a lot of aftermarket parts, but the KLR simply has more. So there's there's more companies to produce parts for the KLR than ever for the DR. So you can really do a, a whole list of uh, customizations based on what's out there. The KLR arguably is much more comfortable. It has a Unitrack shock suspension that effectively dampens uh, everything and gives it a very much more smoother ride. Again, hence better on the street. Uh, the rear suspension, see, and we can get into the argument. I do like the fact that you can switch the shock on a DR, but the KLR also comes stock with a five-way preload, so you can actually dial it in much more um, better out the out the gate. Um, and so, and I will say... The game changer really is uh, Generation 3 has changed everything. So making the DR practically um, outdated. So the, the Gen 3 has three options uh, based on what your preference is for the type of bike that you want. It's got fuel injection. It's got, um, it's got a, a, you know, better, better colors and is arguably a prettier bike too for the Gen 3. The base price for the DR is actually exactly the same as the KLR Gen 3. So arguably, again, you're getting better technology, uh, including a much better uh, screen. Um, it has a digital screen on it too, and uh, the ABS op- option uh, on the uh, on the Gen Three is much. There's no ABS option for the uh, for the DR. And time, perfect. Hmm. All right, Emma, would you like to use your 60 second rebuttal? Um. No, I mean it's it's. I th- I think you have to figure these bikes both on their own merits um i i need a yes or no so i can run the timer no do you want no you're passing on your rebuttal no i'm good john do you need your 60 seconds uh, well i'll take some time? of it yeah so i will okay. just say um the dr is again a, it's it's a wonderful bike both these are very similar i agree with him on that you can go wrong with either one but if i was to buy one of the two which i did um i went with the klr because of the the legs and the difference in terms of being on the street longer and the options that are out there in terms of customization. And I, I just think for your money um, and for what you can do to the bike, you can make it almost as good as the DR off-road, but you get the better on-road components. Okay, thank you. All right, now we'll go to the judges. Judges, you can ask one question of each of them, and you will have 30 seconds to respond to that question. Jim, do you have a question for either of them? Yeah, I, I, it could be for both. Tell me the advantages, because everybody takes these bikes on these big, you know, long adventures to South America and Ecuador. Tell me the advantages of your bike traveling through remote areas where you really need reliability. I would imagine carburation, but whatever. All right, we will have Emma go first. Are you ready? I am. And go. When you're in a remote area, simplicity is everything. And the DR is a simpler bike. And the fact of the matter is... There are far more world travelers on DR650s right now than there are on KLRs, as hard as it is to believe. And time? You good? Yep. Okay. John, you have 30 seconds. Yeah, I think that's an arguable point because the research that I did said that there's more KLRs out there doing long distance. So I I just think we'd have to maybe go deeper on the data on that issue. But I think... um, you know, radiators, yeah, the radiators makes it more complicated, but every car in the world has a radiator now except for VW bugs or maybe some other obscure. So so radiators aren't that big a deal, and it's, it's universally used. So I would say given the comfort issues, the KLR for a world traveler is a much better choice. All right, and time. Good job. All right, Bagel, 
Do you have a question? For them? Hmm. Um. Wow. This is this is tough. Um, <laughs> I'm not really a motorcycle rider, mm -hmm. so um, I'm a little unsure what to ask. But um, what's the top speed of each motorcycle? Hmm. I, mm. I, I, I don't know if you want to know the top speed on either one of these. I think the KLR is probably 100, 100 105 maybe, if, no. you're, if you're winging it out. Mm. How about this? Do you mind, Bagel, if I ask a question related oh, to sure. this? I will ask a question. Um, the reason that these bikes are really created is that they can do street yes. and dirt. Can you please tell me how well they function in street versus Dirt. And uh, John, you will start on yeah, this. Yeah, thank one. you. Okay. Yeah. Well, the, uh, I mean, I mentioned it earlier. They have the KLR has a, has a fairing um, and has a, a suspension that you can, uh, out the gate, you can adjust to go softer or harder, depending on how you want to do it. And the, the rear end, the Unitrack suspension actually makes it a little smoother and easier to ride on the street. And the dirt? You have 10 seconds. Oh, yeah. The dirt, uh, well, you know, the R has the edge in the dirt, 100%. I'll, I'll say that. But, again, not as much to – I think most of us aren't riding 100% in the dirt. For me to, yeah, Thank I'll, you. All right, Emma, street versus dirt for your bike, how does it compare? Well, once again, the DR is the lighter bike. It's a far more agile bike. It's way ahead of the KLR in the dirt. And having done some miles on the street, they are very, very stable on the street. Is five-way adjustment on the rear shock exactly the same as the KLR? No adjustment on the front, but it's a burly front end. It doesn't need it. Okay, thank you very much. Judge, do you have one more question? I, I do, I, and okay. I think, again, it can, it can be asked to both people. Help me understand... Um, and I don't. I'm not. I'm not picking on it. But the KLR has this uh, image of the the dad magnet bike, but the DR doesn't have that image. Maybe you both could speak to like why does the KLR have that stigma? You know, back to the Jocelyn Snow comment. <laughs> KLR is a great bike. I've ridden yours in Hollister. Mm -hmm. It's a great dirt bike. I dig it. I don't take it the wrong way. But all right, Emma, do you have a response for this? You know, and I don't. I mean, it's just the 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 truth is some bikes are very very cool. And some bikes ain't. And there's no real reason for it. But rightly or wrongly, the KLR just ain't cool. And the DRR is. And I'm not say saying for a moment <coughs> that's fair. But that's kind of how it is. Um, <coughs> it might be, I think, that the DR makes a better super motard. Oh. Okay, hmm. stop. Um, can I ask a question? Well, I oh, wait, a John, to John that, gets so. to respond to that. Um, oh, oh, yeah. You know, I think the uh, milk crate has done a, a, a horrible disservice to the KLR. So, if you take away the milk crate issues, I think uh, you know you you're lose your you lose some of the dad factor. Okay. Well All right, and we'll do one final question from Bagel. Bagel, what is your question? Um, yes. Yeah, so, so maybe the maybe a more important question to ask is what is the the weight of each of these bikes? How do they compare weight wise? It's hard to say. Well, there's okay, th there's three John, weights John, for Gen One, Two, and Three. On, on the KLR, so that's that makes it a little funky. John, do you have your answer prepared? Yeah, there's three different weights, so it's what hard is, to say. What is the weight of the current Gen 3 or the Gen 2 that you ride? It's about 50 pounds heavier than the DR. Okay. Emma, okay. Do, do you need to answer about the weight? It's 50 pounds lighter than the KLR. <laughs> <laughs> what do you need to know? It's, it's, when you ride the two, 
it actually transcends the 50 pounds. The DR is a way more agile bike. It's like you're sitting on a racehorse versus of some clumpy old Clydesdale. They're that different. For some reason, I was, so we were in the... Wait. For, um, <laughs> you and your rules. Okay. Weren't we in the car with Phil at AMA years yes. ago? And you were talking about they made a DRZ650? Yes. What a bike that would be? Anyway, yes. Okay. Um, judges, you now have to decide, based upon the, our contestants here, which is the superior bike? I... I have one final question, and it's a one-word answer. Okay. If we know, where are the bikes made? Where are they manufactured? I think that KLRs are made in Thailand now. Still Japan. Always have been, always will be. It's a flagship model. Okay. Uh, Jim, have you made up your mind? Yes. And who has won the debate to you? Well, I don't know how we define win. I think they're all winners here. There are no oh, losers gosh. here. Well, which which is the superior bike? Well, again, I think it gets back to what you're, what you, what makes you feel good when you throw a leg over it. That's what it is. I mean, for me, my personal preference, and I'm biased because I've owned a DR three fifteen. I loved it till mm-hmm. I killed it. Um, but I think the DR, you know, I think, okay, I think for me, carburation would be something to consider. And I, you know, is it better to go from sea level to twenty thousand feet with a carbureted bike? The, the new ones don't have carburetors. Okay, I need the judges yeah, not anyway. to give a speech. Oh, sorry, I get excited. Talk about motorcycles. <laughs> I know. Bagel, have you decided, according to the contestants, what is a superior bike? And if there is a tie, I will be the tiebreaker. (laughs) No, I, I too, uh, have been sold on the DR. Oh. It's made in Japan. That's kind of one of the... the, Well, well, what what, what did it for me is the fact that it's lighter and simpler. Mm. Um, You know, as as somebody who has traveled long distances on bikes... um, of 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 many types um there are with more complex bikes there are more possibilities of of things to break and and problems to have on the road and having something that's simple and reliable is really it's, it's a, that's a valuable thing to have when you have only yourself to rely on so you know that's that's one of the things that that sold it for me plus the fact that it's lighter um and Emma's saying that it has it's been updated with uh, better handling. Twenty five years ago. Twenty five well, years ago. It's been updated. KLR was updated <laughs> last year. Um, okay. Well, I, I say this not having ridden either <laughs> yes, one of them. I so understand. Well, and Emma, you've ridden neither of them in the dirt, correct? No. Because you know, generally I don't I'm not a dirt rider. And right. that's not my and it's interesting that of the two, I would far favor a DR650, even though my natural habitat is not really in the dirt, mm-hmm. even though it's a far superior dirt weapon. Well, first off, I want to say congratulations, Emma. You have won well, the I first mean, ever I, debate club. And I think the important thing is, before we get a bunch of hate mail, I mean, these are <laughs> both very, very similar bikes. And, you know, the KLR is a very, very capable bike. Um and and as to that, but, I, I don't necessarily agree that there's more DR650s out there in the world. Um, I've encountered them both. Right. But I know personally more people who've traveled extensively on KLR650s. Um, I have to say, though, I mean, I love the KLR for all the reasons. It's just, you know, it's like the, the mutt, you know, it, but it just it's just fun. 
Um, and I like the styling better. But I have to say, I've been seeing people riding uh, the other week. We had some people on the ride on the DR650. And I was impressed with how narrow it was compared to the KLR650, which has those giant plastics. The, the KLR having the bigger tank, to me, makes it better as a long-distance touring bike. But the DR650, to me, looked better as an actual hit-in-the-dirt hit bike. And I'm kind of intrigued by it. And I, I'm also kind of feeling like um, maybe it's time to sell the KLR and try a DR650 because that's what we love to do. We love to experience bikes but and to try them. Here's a top tip for anybody who owns either of these bikes. Mm-hmm. And it's worth noting they're both exactly the same in this respect. They're both capable of enormous mileages. Mm-hmm. One of the few medium capacity bikes. And both of them can go way over 100,000 miles. But you have to look after them. And both of them are greedy with oil. And both of them need regular oil changes. Any big singles like that. The oil pump's a great deal away from the most further, great distance away from the greediest part of the engine, the camshaft. So regular oil changes, very, very good quality oil. And keep on top of the valve clearances. Um, And they're both capable of monster mileages. Um, I mean, I think my, ne- my next bike, largely because I'm Liza's bullying me into going <laughs> to dirt riding, will be a DR. Well, you know, it'll be interesting, Liza, is if, if you were to say pick up a DR650 and then compare that to your KTM 990, because there's like a hundred pound difference. Mm-hmm. So that I think is where you're trading. 990 or 690? Oh, I, have, I think I did a 990. What's the weight on a 690? Uh, my 690 Enduro? Yeah. I'm not sure. But it's good. Like look. four hundred something, maybe. I'm not. I'm. I'm not good at this. Yeah, three hundred and fifty pounds. Oh, okay. so it's not that much. It's fifty pounds. Yeah, not terribly heavier. Anyway, it makes a difference. But oh no, there for me, there's no competition. The KLR and the DR do not compare oh, to I my six ninety enduro. But that's yeah. why I wanted to do this. These two bikes are so close right. in comparison, and they both are great at nothing, good at everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of I think I want to experience a DR650. Hopefully Emma will get one. You know. Um, okay, I quit. I I have ridden okay. a DR650, and interestingly enough, it was up a mountain in Pakistan. Is that right? Really? Yeah. When my first time there, we ran into some other travelers on um, GS1200s. There was a Transalp from Australia, so it was a, a newer Transalp. And a DR650, fully loaded. This guy was from England, and he's riding around the world. And so it was fully loaded, kitted out with everything. And he let me ride his bike for a bit, um, and it felt very stable. Uh, But it was, like, fully loaded for around-the-world travel. Right. Not the light, nimble bike that I see some local I mean, if if you actually see them in a naked form, you get to respect them a lot more. I mean, they've got giant forks on them. Mm. Way more you, dirt bikey looking. Yeah, yeah like, that, I like mean, you said, more you, narrow you profile. Looks more like the DR DRZ four hundred. It's actually but, a lot burlier. The forks on yeah. it are way burlier than a DRZ four hundred. It's got these massive forks on it, mm-hmm. which is what really kind of does it for me. Mm-hmm. And just this easy switch out back end, so you can get a couple of inches out the back. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've seen a couple of them tricked out of super motards with the mm. 17 inches. 
God almighty, they're so fucking gorgeous. Well, With those 17-inch wheels mm-hmm. on. Thank they you. They really are great-looking bike. Thank you, John and Emma. Yeah, thank you, thank you, thank for you. For trying this out. John, you did a great job. Um, and I would like to know from our listeners, what two bikes do you think we should debate? Ooh. What are some similar bikes? Like, Jim, I was like, oh, maybe we can debate Africa Twin versus a the Tenere. Super Tenere, 10. Super 10. You know, or maybe a Ninja versus a CBR. Or a GS versus a KTM 1290. Oh, Vespa versus Lambretta. There you oh, go. Vespa versus Lambretta. <laughs> oh, yeah. V-Star versus Harley. Ooh, Bagel, do you think you or could Indian get one of your scooter Harley. friends to come on yeah. for that debate and then we can be the judges? Uh, oh, yes. We might be able to work something like that out. Maybe we'll we see. get, um, yeah, okay. Um, mm, so, yeah, see. I would like to hear from you what... You would like to hear debated. Do you guys think this is a good? Can we can no, do I debates think, in the future. Yeah, I think it's a it's a it's a good way to explore you know the strengths and weaknesses of bikes. You know, in a in a fun environment without saying that thing's crap. We could do Hayabusa versus Concourse fourteen hundred. Yes, uh, CBR. Or I was going to say the Blackbird. Actually, you know the Hayabusa. Its cultural nemesis. I. think think would probably be the zx14 yeah that was close yeah it's close yeah, yeah, yeah. but you know it's it's kind of the higher booster zx14 harley versus indian yeah mm. i could i could do that once Is i i, I will fight anyone who trashes my harley oh mm. maybe uh, em and i need to do harley versus yeah indian. so would you mm. against the sportster what, what would be the um, oh. I will wear my. Oh no no no! Okay, yeah. I will wear my leather chaps and leather vest, especially for the interview. The tassels. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> will you show off your my, tramp my, stamp? My assless chaps. <laughs> your, your <laughs> tramp stamp. No, I'll get one drawn on, especially. Mm. <laughs> you, you guys. I don't know if you realize, and a lot of people don't. You know, which I think is just amusing. Wait. Whenever I'm accused of Harley bashing, you know, I have a tattoo of a Harley, right? You have a Harley in your Christmas sweater. I have a Harley tattooed on my arm. Do you really? I do. Homer Simpson's riding it backwards with a donut on his ding dong. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, she's stripping that donut. Donut. Shazam. That. See? That's a flower. That is a Harley. It is indeed a Harley. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. There you go. Mm. I have a Harley tattoo, guys. So, um, no, and I mean, forgive us for not noticing, but Liza is quite heavily inked, I think is the correct term. Inked. For is she inked? Yeah. Um, inked. So forgive us for not noticing that, but that is definitely a Harley dashboard and fuel tank. Well, and I'd, I'd be curious. We didn't even get into the, the stats on um, crashes. I'm curious which mm-hmm. of those two bikes has more crashes and can take abuse. I know my KLR is take, takes a lot of abuse. Doesn't even get dinged up. You know who would be be able to tell us? Law Tigers. They're great. They're great. Hey, have you been involved in a motorcycle accident? Yep. You need. (laughs) (laughs) Not if it's when. Several. Yeah, right. Still seeking acupuncture. You need to call 1-800-LAW-TIGERS. Your case evaluation is free, and they don't get paid until you get paid. They should be the first call you make after a motorcycle accident. Why? Because they fight for motorcycle riders and their families to get the compensation they deserve. Because you have to remember, too, your family may may need to be, they, yeah. Mm-hmm. If you Those lost guys? Lot, well, you know, 
It's true. Uh, when 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 somebody gets, I'm just going to say, killed on a bike, the family's just dealing with the death. They're not thinking about, um, you know, going suing somebody or getting you know compensated for it. Um, law tigers, let them handle it for you. They know how to do it. They've got over 20 years of experience, and they will handle your case with the respect and dignity dignity you deserve. Uh, the insurance company, you have to remember, they don't want to pay out. They're not going to make it easy. Uh, they're going to give you the lowest settlement they can. In fact, I don't know if you guys have ever experienced this. Never take the first offer, right? You, have you learned that trick, Emma? If they send you a oh, check, yeah. do not take it. Instead, hire a an attorney to handle it. So go to 1-800-LAW-TIGERS and get the help that you need. Because... They're great. They are great. Rawr, <laughs> law tigers. And darn nice people, I will say. Yeah, and you know, we've yeah. we've um yeah, we've been around the law tigers people for many, many years and they're really nice folk yeah. and they will help you. No, I mean it, it is true. There is a need for motorcycle specific attorneys. Bottom line. Don't go to your friend's sister. You need, you know, because that's what a lot of people do. When you need an attorney, you want to be referred by somebody. Don't just answer, go to the one on the billboard, even though Uncle, Tigers has a Uncle billboard. Uncle Vinny but you know is I mean. not going to help you. Uh, guys, so um, next weekend is New Year's. Yes, uh -huh. it is. We're going to do a thing uh -oh. on New Year's oh, yeah? Day. Oh, yes. Bagel, I wish you were down here. Hmm. Um, we are going to be going to do a Bad Matt's Flat Track. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's been a while since we've done this. It's just a backyard flat track party. It's just idiots on small bikes and, and kids and barbecue and usually some dogs running around. Good times. It's been a while. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And it's all outdoors. Is it like the barrel racing at Vintage Motorcycle Days? <clears throat> Uh, kind of. Yeah. The shrunken down version. It's a, it's, yeah. it's a lot smaller than that. Just go left. Will just it be go any left dinosaur, <laughs> dinosaur girls? No? <laughs> no, no, no <laughs> uniform girls. Uh, but just go, we're going to go have some fun, yeah, fun and hang out with people. Um, but it being the new year coming up, I wanted to ask a question of all of you um, and, and, and to our listeners too. You know, uh, we often get people suggesting good right. interviews yes which i appreciate it itchy boots is one we've gotten a lot and i've been waiting for her to get up here so it'll be a while it's gonna be a she's while. coming um but i want to know from you misfits what would be your dream interview because remember we've had a bunch of dream interviews in the past i mean for me um debbie evans uh, the yes. stunt woman she was one i waited years to get um i mean emma one of your favorites well there's been so many um Oh, God, Wes was such a good interview. Who was on the cover of um, the AMA magazine recently? Who? Wes. Yeah, of course he who, was. I said who was, yeah. Yes. Um, and, yeah, now that he's he's passed. I would so love Val but, Valentino Rossi. Okay, so, all right. So I wanted to hear from you guys. I'm going to write them down. Who are your, like, dream interviews? Oh, I know one of yours, Jim. Aries. Yes. Who? Aerie. Aerie. Yeah. Oh, Henning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Aerie oh, Henning. yeah, they'd be great. Yeah, Aerie'd yeah. be great. Aerie be, and Zach. Yeah. I mean, they make they make such accessible videos. If you haven't checked out MC Garage, and they've done all sorts of yeah. stuff since then, but very accessible stuff. So yeah. I, I'm making a list because you know sometimes I, I mean I just go for it. I throw out invites all the time. 
Um, you want Rossi. Okay, it might be hard, but okay. Willie G. <laughs> really? Yeah. Why not? Okay. He's got a lot to say. He's been, his history, his pedigree. I, I met him once at um, the precursor to the quail, uh, the... The one that was up in Half Moon Bay. Yeah. Oh, uh, uh, Legend. Legends of the, the motorcycle. motorcycle. Yeah, he was there. Um, he was. They had him judging the Harley Davidsons. What a great yes. Uh, uh, so Emma, who's on your list you for know, this twenty twenty two? It's quite a po- He's quite a polarizing figure, um, especially for our English listeners. But I think Henry Cole would be a great interview. You know what? I do have a contact for him. You know, I think we should reach out again because there is a story behind this. A couple of years ago, they reached out to us and everything kind of fell apart largely because of the pandemic. But I think we should chase that. Yeah, you don't know this. Henry Cole. Have you ever heard of this name? No, this is new to me. So he's a a British uh, guy, biker guy, but other stuff. He's, um, how do you describe? So he has different TV shows over there. But one of them that I really love that you can find um, on the internet um, it's the one where they go search garages, yes. garages. Um, he and his buddy go out, and it's kind of like pickers. Mm, yeah, okay. And they go out and search garages for for cool stuff. But he's always finding bikes and mm. stuff like that. And then he has other stuff, other TV shows he's done over there that were just about bikes and restoring and, but and he's interviewing. A, he's quite an interesting character. Um, he's a keen. I can't remember if he's actually directly related to Lady Diana or kind of peripherally, hmm. but he's in that kind of character. I mean, you know, he had he battled drug addiction in the eighties. I think he was a heroin addict. He lived in a squat, but a very, very interesting character he, and a lot to say about basically motorbikes. British micro. Mm. And so when I was when he was potentially coming on our show, I started watching his shows. Right. I got into it. I kept watching Henry Cole stuff. Really, really cool guy. Yeah, I think loves I think his bikes. He'd be, and he's very animated. He's yeah. he's very articulate, um, and he's he, very much like me. Through the ups and downs of our life, we've always maintained this love of motorcycles, and we've always championed motorcycles, even when it wasn't as fashionable to do as it is now. And you know, he's kind of a kindred spirit like that. Mm. So. Cool. I, I would love to have a chat with Henry, see what he has to say for himself. You know, I, I'll throw another fun one because I was looking at the mm-hmm. new uh, the new Matrix movie came out because I was thinking of Keanu. Uh, and we yeah, Keanu would be great. Class, I like, don't think Keanu will <clears throat> ever no, talk to us again. No, we definitely no. got but, uh, but, and I was thinking of the, the stunt coordinator for that movie because there are motorcycles in it and all that. Might be a little tough. But remember the guy we did Jocelyn's class with, the yes. stunt guy? He was actually a legit stunt man. So he might be actually an interesting interview. Because he showed us videos of motorcycle stunts that were nuts. But he walked us through the entire process. I love stunt people. So, interestingly enough, um, they had, just last week, they had the uh, premiere mm-hmm. at the Castro Theater. Oh, get out. In San Francisco. Oh. Because a lot of the film was set in San Francisco, filmed in San Francisco. And nice. for the premiere, they had a bunch of uh, people bringing people up on bikes. Cool. And Shalina Moreta. How did we the, miss out on that? How did we not at least roll Shalina Moreta, the the racer. Mm. Um, I think she might have done stunt work, but she was actually one of the hired guns to bring in the host on cool. the back of her motorcycle and then speed right. off. I bet she looked good too. Oh yeah, she looked good. So um, 
I'm going to say my three, and these aren't necessarily people that like I know we can get or anything, but you know what? Every year we kind of just make a little wish list. Uh, Guy Martin. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Got it. I mean, yeah. Yes. Though I just don't. It's hard to understand. So I d- yeah, I think you'd get one word in three. Oh, wait, we have an interpreter yeah, he, right here. Yeah, we did, don't we? And he, <laughs> he would insult us the entire time, deservedly so. Uh, and then <laughs> Shalina Moreta would be pretty cool. Um, and then uh, there's one that um, I think has a good chance will happen that I've been working on. Do you know who Ricky Rocket is? Yes. Oh, yeah. You do? Yeah. Poison. You, exactly. He's the drummer from Poison. Yeah. Well, yeah. He's a huge biker as well. Yeah, and, and scooterist. And scooter. He loves, and this is what I love about him, but he loves everything. All yeah. two-wheeled bikes. Dirt yep. biking, adventure. Uh, he got a Pan America recently. Customs, mm. Harleys, sport bikes, everything. Bagel, you know who else has been uh, seen riding a scooter around? Who's that? Do you have Bieber fever? <laughs> yes, I've heard about this. Yeah, Justin Bieber, he got a Vespa. Nice. It's, yeah. Well, apparently he's working with Vespa, and yep. they're designing, a, I guess, a special scooter. Oh, that will, I might have a connection to him, too. That will be yeah. the best Vespa ever made by far. Right, Bagel? <laughs> we shall see. <laughs> hey, I, I would like to say for the record that I respect Justin Bieber. I do. I think he's a, a very interesting and creative and artistic uh, person. I think we just lost right. half our listeners. Hey, I don't care. Liz is looking at me like I care. I'm like, right. I'm just care. saying. Yes, and I love the Jonas Brothers too. Okay. Um, <laughs> I tell you who I think would be a really good quirky interview. Yeah. And Margaret. <laughs> she's oh, still around? Fun. Yeah, I think she's still alive. I don't think really? she rides her bikes anymore, but. She would. She would be a rather interesting interview. She's had a love of triumphs. I'll put that on your list. So long. Did Elvis mm. get her into it? No, she was into it before then. Mm. Ah, interesting. So nice. I've got a couple more. Um, oh, Charlie good. Borman would be great. I'd love to have you in too, but I think Charlie's a better, easier shot. Um, and I would love to interview um, Cameron Bobier. Uh, oh, Moto Two, you know, American racer up in yeah. in the Moto GP world. That would be fun to have him now, and he. Okay, well, we've got our little list. Um, well, and checking what, it twice. What about me, too? Bagel, what about you? Yeah, well, since you guys brought it up, I, I think we deserve a second shot. I think we should interview Keanu Reeves, and I would be willing to do it. <laughs> I, think, I think I'd be a better, be able to do a better job than that knucklehead I did it the last time. <laughs> what, you mean you're not going to put your arm around him and say, oh, I love you? No, no. <laughs> All right. <laughs> no, I, I actually would really like to pick his brain about motorcycles. I and, think it would be a great time. I mean, I've talked to him, not recording, like talked to him about arch motorcycles. Mm-hmm. Like he's he he's approachable and easy yeah. to talk to. Yeah. So, and really nice guy. Yeah, yeah, nice guy and all so, that. Yeah, I, I would love to interview him. <laughs> um, but... But assuming that that's probably not going to happen, um, the the other person who I was thinking of who I'd really love to interview is Nicola Limpenatore. Who I is, can't write that down. He is the Vespa Wheelie King of Italy. Oh, <laughs> oh Vespa Wheelie King! Yeah, he's, he's the guy that he's the guy that that just takes out the whole front fork of his bike because he just doesn't need it, <laughs> and he just rides on the rear wheel down the road. <laughs> okay, that's a good that's a good one. Yeah, just look up his videos on YouTube. The uh, 
Nicola Limpenatore, the Vespa Wheelie King. All right. Um, real quick, I have an announcement. Um, I've now sold out of the large T-shirts. These are the last year's shirts that I'm selling out of. Um, but I still have the special deal. 15 bucks includes shipping. Um, uh, I throw in some stickers. Okay. Um, if you would like a Motorcycles and Misfits t-shirt in a small or a medium. And this is our, our black t-shirt with cool retro uh, imagery on it. Again, the racers. Um, just send a PayPal to RecycleMotorcycleGarage at gmail.com. And I'll um, get that shipped out. And, you right. know, that's the greatest incentive ever to get that summer body. So knock off, <laughs> and knock off the starchy foods, do a few Swedish I'm, exercises. I'm going to put a goal and, and, so I can fit into a small body. And, get yourself and, into a medium. And for you guys who forgot to get the perfect present for your wife for Christmas, here's your chance to make up for it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I think we have time to read some emails. Uh, Emma, will do yours last. You got a real short one there. I do. So this is from uh, Murray Benefield, and the title is Murray Christmas. <laughs> I like it. Uh, wishing you all the best for the silly season, Misfits. Just an update. I traded the Royal Enfield Classic 350 on a 2022 Royal Enfield Continental GT. Nice. Best Christmas gift ever. Absolutely. Hmm. Now I could start converting the matchless to Salt Lake land speed mode. We'll keep Ooh. you posted. Oh, that's hmm. cool. Stay upright, guys and gals. Cheers, Muzz. Hey, uh, I wonder nice. what land speed record, which category. Um, well, remember, um, got all and I remember when we introduced, uh, interviewed Stacy, she yes. was riding, was it a matchless? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So what was that? A, yeah. I mean, it's yeah, not it's, just displacement. It's like it's cylinders and, and valves yeah, all and all these stuff, different yeah. things that get into that category. That's right. Like, cool. Good luck. Yeah. Great. Um, I have a quick one here and this is from Jordan. Hey, Jordan. Says... Hey, everyone. Merry Christmas. Uh, this is Jordan from Buffalo. I'm 24 years old. Jordan. And cold. A, well, yeah. <laughs> and cold welder, man. fabricator, machinist as a career, and Ooh. going to school for mechanical engineering. Nice. Nice. Uh, this guy can build anything. I know. We need one of them around yeah, here. Yeah, we do. Uh, I would love some input about my old 1977 KZ650. Has a bad starter clutch problems and parts for everything. Uh, we would need to make this thing right. Is are hard to find. Are there any websites for parts and advice about rebuilding this old bitch? Oh yeah, that's the first question. <laughs> you going to answer that? Yeah, um, yeah. We'll go to the second question. Oh, uh, old bike barn, and I used to get Kawasaki parts from. Uh, was it the old cowman? Do you ever do you ever use him? Yeah, I mean the um, K A W M A N. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the second question? Yeah, I thought we were going to the second question. Well, we're, yeah, but I wanted to give you an... It's a different subject. So you want to oh, answer oh, the first? So um, everything is still available for that, KZ. Mm -hmm. um, L. Everything comes out of Holland. Um, very easy to use website. I order them all the time. Stuff from Europe usually comes in... Well, on the East Coast, it probably come in, in less than a week. Um the only disadvantage is everything's priced in euros, so it can get a little expensive. And if you buy stuff in dribs and drabs, you know, you get dinged on the uh, postage. So it's better to make a little shopping list and buy everything and then get it shipped over. But he's got everything. 
And I have to correct myself, oldcowman.com. He's the uh, 900, KZ900 and KZ1000. That's right. what he specializes but in. But CSMNL. And they are announcing that they have lower shipping rates. They've lowered their shipping rates for all countries. Right. Nice. All right. And his second question. Yes. Is what kind of bike should I get next? I'm starting to get the itch uh, to ride again. and want to keep my GS500F and get a second bike that's faster and everything. Hmm. I'm looking at a Gixxer 600 and 750. I'm 5'10", 190 pounds or so. Um, is a sport bike good as a daily rider? Um, is it going to be as comfy as my GS500? No. Um, <laughs> but it doesn't matter because at his age... He's he's also looking... He's also found a 2015 FZ09 and a 2013 FZ8 for sale near him or a 2007 Suzuki M109R or any year Harley V-Rod would also tickle his fancy. Any advice would be great. Thanks, guys. Love you all. Miss Emma is my dream girl. Oh, what a beauty. So I Get mean, God, he's he's I mean, he's, all over the place. So, so you want a second bike that's faster than the GS five hundred? Well, I that's mean, that's not real hard. No, it's not. I mean, God, he's all across the board there, isn't he? Um, those M one hundred and nine took a fucking weapon. It's it's like a cruiser. But yeah, it's a it's, muscle cruiser. God, they don't big have, fat tire and they go like stink. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, uh, funnily enough, he's exactly, he's virtually the same dimensions as I am. Um, oh, say the bandit. Say the bandit. It'll answer all his questions. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, bandit's good. No, he's a bit young for a bandit. He wants something cooler than a bandit. Well, I've commuted, you know, I've commuted on upright sport bikes for like the last seven years and FZ06 and then the uh, the FZ1. So Mm -hmm. I would say for a commuter, yeah, do a sport bike, dude. But, you know, maybe don't. Right. Sport bikes are a hoot to commute on because they're they're easy. I mean, you you look and squirt. There you go. You're right there. And out of the FZ08 and the FZ09, I'd go for the 9. Yeah, do it. Because I like that triple. That triple, yeah. Do the FZ09. Yeah, do the nine. Get that nice triple soundtrack, yeah. and yeah, they're we, good. Yeah, we've seen those on the track, even the go kart track, and those things rip. And I'm just gonna hmm. throw out one more because this has been a staple. Yes, in the sport bike community, riding. And if he's a newer rider, I still think it's an acceptable bike. Is the uh, no uh, the the K- KLR six fifty? No, 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 no. <laughs> I, I had it and I just it's lost it. Stretch boost. No, the Suzuki six fifty. Suzuki. The Suzuki DR six fifty. No, the best no, bike. Sport bike. Bergman six fifty. Sport bike. <laughs> Upright. They can get fully fared or half fared. Oh, the SV. The SV six fifty. There we go. The SV six fifty. They're they've made them for years. They it's a twin. It really pulls strong. I mean, oh, you yeah, want more power. Right. It has the power. Yeah. But it is... Agile. Ad, it, it's a great bike. Easy right. to find. Right. Easy right. to repair Style. and maintain. Yeah. Right. This is why they were so popular. The best bang for the buck in a sport bike. And you have different versions. Like I said, you have half fairing, full fairing. You have... Right. Uh, you can get it with the clip-ons or yes. the risers. Yes. All different versions. An SV650. It's a great bike. You'll have all sorts of fun with it. Actually, you know what, Liza? Because normally some of <laughs> your selections are not altogether logical. That is a great idea. I'm a huge fan of the SV650. Yeah. In fact, it was so good 
about 10 years ago, they replaced it, and there was so much public outrage. They canned the Gladius. The, they canned the, the Gladius, Gladius yes. which is yeah, actually just, a very... The Gladius is a very good bike, but woefully styled. I mean, the headlight looked well, as if it melted. The, I think the bigger but, problem is that it, it seemed it was a, a little bit scaled down. It came in like powder blue, and they had a woman riding it in the commercial, the promotional video for it. Right. They were making a bike trying to cater to the female population. This was 10 years ago when women riders were really starting to gain some traction. Right. I think that was the death of it. And they called it the Gladius, which sounds like the Gladiator, but to me, sounded more like my grandma Gladys. Mm-hmm. I think... It, sound, it makes me think of the Gluteus. Yeah, it just... <laughs> yeah. I think that there were just some things that... It was just Put it next to a maximum, you'd have a... Gluteus I think it was a good maximum. bike. Gluteus you know, maximum. it reminds me of... The very, very first... Do you remember a car manufacturer <clears throat> called Daihatsu? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Do you know the name of their first model, which was rapidly changed? It's oh. called the D-Bag. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> was, absolutely true. Was it... I, I don't remember if it was Daihatsu. It was one of them when they first introduced them, they had commercials. Whenever any the guy said, Daihatsu, somebody went, Kazunte! <laughs> Do you remember that? <laughs> That's funny. No. But yeah, um, yeah. So SV650, very, very good choice. Oh, just, get, get, just get a bike. Just get a bike. Yeah, I mean, you can, get a, you can get them everywhere. I, I think SV650 I think, is a great. I think he should get an M109 and just scare the living <sighs> shit out of himself. That's what I think. Yeah. I mean, he's only 24. Okay. Well, and he's now. He's just a wee man. We've saved the best for last. Emma? Yes. You have an email to read there. I do. And it's it's from Matt Gunther. Um, Dear Miss Emma, to me. Yes. Ah. Happy holidays. My name is Matt. I was born and raised in Tennessee. Hi, I love Matt. bourbon, beer, and working on bikes. Yeah. Will, you, will you marry me, Matt? Bourbon, beer, and bikes. I'm surprised it's taken me so long to write the Misfits a letter. I found your podcast early last year and must have listened to almost 200 episodes wow. to this point. Ooh, Thank wow. you all for your contribution. What'd you go to jail for? <laughs> <laughs> Thank. Don't be mean, Jim. Every, everybody knows that going to jail is compulsory in Tennessee. Um, thank you all for your contribution to our two-wheeled religion. I have to say that after much soul-searching... I am pretty sure that Naked Jim oh, is my spirit animal. Oh, my. Oh, wow. He is in jail. <laughs> uh, I'm absolutely sure that Emma is the greatest moto genius alive right now. Um, however, he's he's saying, I'm unsure how much gin you need to drink in order to hit, to hit your level of enlightenment, but I'm up for the challenge. Good man. You should drink a lot of gin. It's wonderful. Let me tell you about the luck I've had recently. I love old bikes. My wife tolerates this love. (laughs) Hmm. Um, One of my best friends has a family heirloom, a 1967 BSA B44 shooting star, which also it's the street victor um, that her father would likely describe as a prized possession. It's been in their family since purchase new in Chicago 55 years ago. I've been drooling over this thing for about five years since I learned of its existence. It has 7,000 on the odometer. And sure, if it's miles or kilometers, that's going to be miles, darling. Um, And it's in pretty great shape, although not running. 
I'm guessing it hasn't actually used since it hasn't been used since 1972, which is the tax tag year featured on the license plate. I know it hasn't run in the last 10 years. At some point, the original red and cream fiberglass tank was swapped for a metal Victor alternative. But other than that, it's totally stuck down to the factory wheels. I got a text about three weeks ago that my friend's parents were moving, downsizing, and looking for a home for this BSA. Relic! Relic, he calls it! None of the family children wanted it. Well, that's because they're crazy, and I agree there. So I'm writing to you as the proud owner of a Made in England original, just like me, darling. Emma, this thing isn't running and isn't. Absolutely a restoration in the works for 2022. Can you throw me a deep, dark and disorienting history hole on this thing? Yes, I will. And I'll do it next week as well. What do I need to know? Oh, you need to know everything, darling. (laughs) Is it worth me digging for an original fiberglass tank or do you have a source for great metal replicas? Yes, I do. Anything worth knowing before I crack a beer and get to work? Am I supposed to get an erection while tickling this carby? Yes. (laughs) if you've got a willy you should get an erection at any time spontaneously (laughs) much love give it the fucking beans um and he's included a picture and this is an absolutely marvelous thing Mm -hmm. um and it's all original the tank isn't and i'm gonna tell him how to get a hold of a tank um it's a beautiful bike Mm -hmm. So, um, no, these these BSA 441s, they're quite lively, actually. I mean, it's basically the size of a 250. There's, there's, a, there's something after the picture you didn't read. Oh, I'm going to. Okay. We're going to come to that. Great. Um, so I'll do a bit of a history hole on it. Um, we need to reunite this with an original style tank because it's everything. I mean, the tank was super stylized on these bikes. And they're available in a metal replica, but you have to kind of look elsewhere. Was it yellow and red? Was it No, that's the Victor. Okay. You have to look at the 441 shooting star. Hmm. So the Victor is the off-road model. If you look at the 441 shooting star, you'll see his bike. So what he's done... And this is a PS after the picture. And I'm not going to read all these because some of them are terribly rude. (laughs) Did you find a picture of it, Jim? (laughs) Like a nice cherry red almost. Yeah, it's a good looking bike, isn't it? Very, very cool. Yeah. It's a PSA. Yes, it is. So, Jim, you're going to like this. He sent us a little. So, PS, I'm attaching a link that shows a lot of British slang in hopes to better able the other Santa Cruz misfits to communicate with Emma in her native tongue. I recommend you all start a page. All start with the page featuring Beaver. Um, Beaver? Wait, wait, what? So, Beaver? Yes. So apparently this is it. How many pages were there of this? Oh, many pages of this cluster. I just printed out one page. So what we're going to (laughs) do... These are some British terms and the definition. Um, Yes, so I'm going to be selective in this. Um, Very selective. So (laughs) let's talk about... um, Let's talk about a bearded clam. Would you like to know what a bearded clam is? (laughs) I think I have an idea. That's the uh, restaurant. It's a noun. It's female genitals, inclusive of pubic hair. Um... (laughs) Beast with two backs. Oh, yeah, I know, yeah. <laughs> I, to, I don't... It's, I it's don't. the act of... Uh, yes, it's, it's, it's a noun. Bacon. 
two people in the act. Yes, yes, it's noun the imaginatively named figure that represents a couple during sex. Jocular usage. Mm-hmm. Um, this. <laughs> 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 um, beaver lever. <laughs> oh, oh, I feel beaver lever. Wait, spell lever. L e v e r. Lever. Lever. Beaver, beaver lever. lever. Mm-hmm. something you lever a beaver with. Yes, it's basically it's a noun, and it's your willy. Um, and I use <laughs> this one daily, Bedfordshire. 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 I had no idea on that one. So, a, a nice little town in England? It's actually a noun, and it means I'm going to bed. Oh. So um, I will uh, be sitting watching TV, and I'll be like, ah, ah I'm heading to Bedfordshire. Emma, uh-huh. I like, so there's beaver lever, and there's beaver lever, L-E-A-V-E-R. Yes, and a beaver lever. Do you, know, you have any guess, John? Yes. No idea. So a beaver lever is a gay man because he's he's not interested in beaver. <laughs> I thought I thought that was the one driving the U-Haul truck. Yes. <laughs> um, oh God! No, some of these. What was the one after that? Let's have a look. Bedfordshire bedsit. Um, a bedsit. Do you know what a bedsit is? Mm-mm. It's a noun, and it's. Um, a bed sitter or bed sitting room, a very small apartment whereby the bedroom also serves as a mm. sitting room, which mm. you Americans would call the studio. Studio. Studio is a bed sit in England. Um, uh, let's find yeah. another one. Um, yes. So, let, and we'll do. <laughs> some of these are No, I mean, some of these are just completely <laughs> unsuitable. Just going for it. This is the end. This is a disclaimer. If you have children. Stop listening now. Go for it, Emma. No, I'm not going to. Go for it, Emma. No. um, (laughs) Let's just do beef. What is beef? Hmm. What is beef? I'm not saying nothing. Um, I got, so I got beef with you. Yes, well, that's that's the well, second. There's there's curtains. Yes, there are beef curtains. Yep, that's on there too. <laughs> oh, no, and that's so the, the kids love and the room. origin of that is American. It's not English. It's also it, a roast beef sandwich. There's beef. <gasps> there's a beef bayonet. Oh my! <sighs> the beef oh. bayonet. That's for battling the trenches. Is that no, your willy? That's your willy. Your wee willy <laughs> winky when it runs um, through the. But town. no, if we go back to beef, it's a noun. And the first is it's a muscly, strong-looking male, and it's quite uh-huh. informal. And the second one, which we, you got, Bagel, was it's a complaint. Mm-hmm. Example, if you've got a beef about the decision, then fill in the fucking forms. <laughs> so um, there you go. And, 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 uh, and you. Americans might recognize the first one as beefcake, perhaps. Yes, perhaps. Mm-hmm. You know, and there, there's lots of – there's um, – Oh, I actually I like the one bedable, bedable, bedables. Mm. Is that those are snacks you can eat in bed? Oh, behave! Yes, bedable is sexually desirable, which means it's being good enough to take to bed. So I would say, poor that Jimmy's very bedable, isn't he? Eh? <laughs> <laughs> I got a nice bed of straw for us. <laughs> so um, there you go. Some rude, you go. some not so rude. Mm-hmm. There you go. So thank you. <laughs> Totally good. But, I, I like the beaver um, lever. The <laughs> so um, just briefly, because he can start his search now. So, um, Matt, 
There are two sources mm-hmm. to get a steel version of the tank that's on your bike. Um, the tank that's on it's wrong, and it doesn't look right on the bike because he's got a Victor tank on it. And if you look at the picture, you can see it's a glorious shooting star. Oh, beautiful. With a little aluminum, a little aluminium. That's Vic- about the tank, though. Victor tank on it. And it needs the stylish one. Now, um, in England, that bike, you could buy that bike, and it had a metal tank because in, uh, in, up until a certain point, fiberglass tanks were banned, so they had to have a steel version of the tank. So um, a tank off a Barracuda is exactly the same shape, but chrome steel. And I think some of the Indian... Um, manufacturers are actually doing knockoff tanks for barracudas and they're chrome and everything and they're quite cheap they're like 300 bucks or something and the quality is not brilliant but it's it's good enough alternatively if you want the real deal i am pretty sure that a tank from a 1969 firebird is metal and is exactly the same shape as your shooting star tank. The difference being where your shooting star tank was white, it's chrome. Hmm. And they're, they're very handsome tanks. But you, you've got to think outside the box. But I tell you what, this is a lovely, lovely bike. And it's not going to take a great deal to get it on the, on the road. Yeah, I was just going to mention because I priced them. They're not terribly, you know, expensive to purchase. No, you you can usually get a decent enough one, five six grand. Yeah, yeah. Um, and but it, you're not going to blow the bank trying to find parts for it. Or parts, oh parts no, you for, can yeah. get everything for it. Right, you can get absolutely everything. What I would think I would do in his position is budget. Obviously, you're going to need tires and tubes. Um, I'd put a new wiring harness on it, which is only going to be a hundred bucks. Um, I'd put a new carburetor on it, which will probably be about the same, and obviously a battery, and you know a good quality electronic ignition. What kind of carb do you put on it? Oh, an Amol. Okay. Yeah, the proper Amol. But instead of what this bike came with originally, sixty-seven. Can you have a look at that car. It's got that big air fi- round air filter on it. What that has on it. No, they're kind of ducted under oh, the okay. side panel on these. It's probably got a very early concentric on it, but you, you buy them, they're called Premiers now, mm. and it's much better carburetor. Buy a brand-new Amol Premier, um, new wiring harness, battery, tires and tubes. You haven't buy this. Just Did he say it was before. running, or was it? No, it hasn't run in 10 years. What if it, did he say it turns over? Oh, it hasn't run since 72, I think. Well, it hasn't been used since 72, but he said it hasn't right. been running in at least 10 years. Because, you know, oh, a lot okay. of these old guys, you know – they stop riding them on the street for whatever reason, um, mm-hmm. but they still go out into the garage and start them up and run them up and get the juices going. So, um, yeah. it's it's a it's a wonderful project and they're lovely bikes. It's like riding around on a big bass drum because of course it's a single cylinder. It's four hundred and forty one cc, big old pushrod thing with a long stroke. So um, it's got um, lots um, of torque, and they actually move along quite well because it's it's like the size of a two fifty. They're tiny. But they've got quite a lot of power. Um, And you can tune the heck out of them. Um, There's a company in England called CCM, which is Clues Competition Manufacturing. And they basically took the concept of the BSA and really extrapolated it to its 
It's the most wonderful conclusion. And so you can get all these hop-up parts from CCM and just make like a gazillion horsepower and scare the crap out of yourself. So lucky man. I'm always impressed with your wealth of knowledge, Emma. <laughs> we, re- we, need to, we need to really challenge her sometime. I, I don't know how mm-hmm. to, but we'll find it eventually. Yeah, not off to the, the off the top of your head substitution for a sixty nine whatever BSA shooting star tank. I know how we'll challenge her. We'll <laughs> throw her on a mini bike next week at the flat track no, races. Oh, there we go. God, <laughs> <laughs> go on, Emma. Don't get hurt. Well, we love her too much. Oh, oh yeah. I'm going to no. give her a paintball gun, and she can stand on the side. <laughs> what? No, I like the thought of that. No, just straight up BB gun. No hose. <laughs> I think I'd rather get hit by a BB gun than a hose. Well, um, hey, to everyone out there, I know that everyone's getting a lot of inclement weather. So sorry to hear that. This is that time. Buck down, you know, take stay care. Safe. Of, stay safe. Stay safe. Live vicariously through us <laughs> riding you around. I mean, honestly, if you had to guess, honestly, how many weekends in this past year were we not able to go riding? None. Maybe three? Yeah, maybe Maybe, I mean, well, yesterday was a Saturday you couldn't go ride. I mean, you could. You could. I know, but it was. It wouldn't was, be fun. It wasn't fun. Like, you know, not too many. We know we are lucky. So that's why we're here. You can enjoy riding through us. Um, hey, big thanks again. We got some new Patreon subscribers. Hey, awesome. Thank you so much for that. You know, that's what I'm, I've been buying pizza every week, just digging into the Patreon money and giving back to everyone. Um, so I appreciate it. Um, I'm working on a new t-shirt design. Just a reminder for everyone, uh, all of our Patreon subscribers at the $5 or more, you will be getting a t-shirt sent to you for free. If you are outside of the country, I only ask that you cover shipping. That's it. But the t-shirt is free. Check out the new video. Oh yeah. We dropped the video of Emma of our, uh, going to dealerships a couple weekends ago. Blimey. Go blimey. Yeah. Thank you, John, for making that. I'd love for you to do some more videos. That was good. So yeah, if you want to see what it looks like, um, but other people had commented, it was really nice to see our faces. Most people say, I just like your voices better, but you know, (laughs) I get it. I get it. Um, bagel, stay safe there. I'm, I'm hoping that at least if you put some good paddle wheels, you can turn your Vespa into a sled. Well, that's a possibility. Um, I don't know if I have the clearance though underneath the uh, the the uh, in, in the rear wheel well. It's nothing to hacks on. Oh, the for the paddle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, turn it into a snow in machine. Can't hacks all the fuel tank. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, big thanks again to everyone uh, for sticking with us. I mean. End of the year, you guys. What yeah. a, what another yeah. great year of yeah. riding we've gotten through. Um, everyone's hanging in there with COVID. We're 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 all vaccinated here, so we're able to be in the studio. Yeah, I'll, I'll throw one thing out. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, all that fucking COVID shit. But I'll th- crazy. You, you guys have got your trips going, which sound like they're getting busy and full, which mm-hmm. is right. I'll throw it out. I'll commit. So I'm going to, I think, throw together a little desert party. Oh. So weird. it'll probably be in April, maybe the second weekend, second, third weekend of April, something like that, middle of April. Nice. And I think we may head down to Johnson Valley. And basically, we'll just put the word out. And if people want to meet up in the desert and go to Johnson Valley and have some good desert fun, hopefully the wildflowers are blooming then, but you never know. Um, nice. Anyway, there'll be more to come, but I, I feel I'll throw it out there now and kind of commit. But yeah, big, big old hoe down. The only rule is bring firewood. I want to go just because this is something that you love so much, so I want to experience it. It is fun. Um, and hey, remember, end of April is 
the one show. It is indeed. Oh, yeah. yeah. And um, Tubbo, I re-entered Tubbo again. So, fingers crossed. Um, Mike McCarthy's entered his Sportster. And I think Mike Miranda's entered a couple as well. Good. Good. So, um, hopefully, if we get represented by more than one bike, we'll kind of cluster ourselves together and do a little presentation with the garage. I, I can put my KLR in if... Uh, yeah, if there you go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you key slay me, John. Um, yeah, so we are already digging deep, planning stuff. I mean, AMA Vintage Days. I'm going to be going to um, Americade this coming year. Oh, Upstate nice. New York in June. Hmm. Yeah. That's um, going to be nice and warm. Not sure exactly what capacity, but I've offered my services and I've been uh, talking to them about that. That's really cool. Um, I didn't know Americade is kind of like Sturgis in that it's not in one location. It's the whole town and it's spread out throughout the whole town. Yeah. But fortunate for me, one of my Chickasstaners, Lily, lives in that town. So she oh, has sweet. offered a place to stay and a bike to ride. Will it be a Harley Davidson? It will not. Oh, dear. It might be a BMW. A BMW? Yeah, something like that. Mm. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's got adventure bikes. So um, lots coming up. Email us. Let us know what other events are happening that you're looking forward to. And don't forget to email us uh, your ideas if you want to have us debate something. You can send that to RecycleMotorcycleGarage at gmail.com. And what? Oh, best police bike. Oh. Anyway. Suzuki <laughs> GT750P. Is that from is that from um <clears throat> Japanese home market only? Oh wow. It's the coolest Actually, it's the coolest cop bike. I was thinking in Road Warrior. Can, oh, which can you get those as exports? GT750P. Huh, interesting. Which one is the, the Harley? Is it the FLHTI? Am I making Something, up letters? Yeah. I mean, it's the one with the Eric Buell frame. What was the Road Warrior? I'm not going with Road that. Warrior. Oh, oh the KZ, KZ, wasn't it? KZ yeah. thousands. Yeah. yeah, with the backs cut off. Mm, so much. All right. <laughs> I think it's ready to get out of here. Um, RecycleMotorcycleRogerGmail.com. Thank you, everyone. You can uh, check our links if you want to know our Patreon or our YouTube. It's all in the links. Um, that's it. Thanks, everyone. This is Liza. Stumpy John. Emma Darling. Nigga Jim. There you go. And we are out of here. Cool, cool, cool. cool. cool.